Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Move Like This. Today, I am excited to be talking to Trisha Bensich, the Inclusion and Social Responsibility Associate Director at Moss Adams. That is quite a mouthful, Trisha. <laughs> so thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to spend this time with you. Me too. So let's start off by talking a little bit about Moss Adams. Tell me about what the firm does and for whom and what makes it different. Yeah. So uh, Moss Adams is a professional services firm, and we focus on tax, audit, and consulting. We have a little bit more than 4,400 professionals in 30 different locations. We did just launch um, a location in India last year, so we have about 100 folks there plus. We really, our firm focuses on more of the middle market clients And because we're able to focus on middle market, we can do things from startup all the way to growth, expansion, and transition. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of just what makes us special, I think, is our focus on people. We really try to focus on the needs of our people and create just value in everything that we do for our folks. So something that we've been really focused on is just what are we doing from a people value proposition for our folks. So when we think about our people value proposition, we focus on career well-being and the community. When we think about career, we want to make sure that, you know, you have a fulfilling career at Moss Adams and we know that everyone's career is going to, their career journey is going to be different. So we want to make sure that, you know, we're helping each of our employees navigate through what their career could be here at Moss Adams. We want to make sure that people are getting the learning and development opportunities that they need through Moss Adams University, and that's our um, learning and development area. And then we're really trying to make sure that people have purpose in what they're doing. So how do we align what people are interested in to maximize the benefit for their own career, for our, for the firm, and for our clients? And for well-being, I know that's a huge topic that everyone's talking about, and every firm probably has a different way that they approach well-being, but we want to make sure that people feel like we care about them and we're investing in them. So either from a workplace flexibility, from a mental health perspective, and one of the things that we just were in the middle of our employee engagement survey right now, one of the questions that we're asking is, do you feel cared about at work? And right now we're trending pretty high. It's one of our highest scoring questions. And I think that's a great I think sets us apart. Another reason we're set, we set apart from other firms, because when we say a lot of companies say that they care about their people, and I feel like we truly do. And it's good to see that our employees are responding, that they kind of feel the same way. But who knows? We still have a few days left of that survey. So, but it seems to be trending pretty highly. And then the last pieces are just around community. And so we want to make sure that we're building community both internally and externally, you know, building that sense of belonging and connection with your colleagues. Also, how are we serving the communities where we live and work? So I also work really closely with the Moss Adams Foundation and everything that we're doing from a charitable giving and volunteering perspective. So we want to make sure our people 
have that connection to the communities and are able to do that. And then also just all of the work that we're doing from an inclusion and diversity perspective, you know, how is that playing into the ex- experience that people have with Moss Adams? Wow. That's a lot of things. I love it. And also I think it's even more important now than it has been in the past when retention is such a big issue. And I can see why people want to stay there when they're telling you that they truly feel like you care about them. That's a really good sign because that bar is pretty high. Yeah. I mean, that bar is pretty high. And, you know, our goal is, yeah, we want to retain all of our people. We want it to be a place where people actually want to work and be and feel like they have the colleagues, they have that sense of belonging. It's interesting in our survey, too, we ask, you know, what keeps you at Moss Adams? And the number one answer every time we've asked that is our colleagues, the people that they work with. And then the other one is workplace flexibility. Those are always kind of the high things, but it just truly points back to like how we all treat each other and how we all interact with each other. If that's like the highest piece, that's, that's wonderful. No, that's great. I want to move on because, and I'm really happy to be talking to you about this specifically because Moss Adams is a founding sponsor, the founding sponsor actually of Move all the way back to 2010 when we were in grade school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you've been instrumental in supporting and guiding the work we do. And so I guess I really would like to know what made Moss Adams want to be our original sponsor and why is it something that you have so generously continued to support? Yeah, we're so proud to be the founding sponsor of the Mood Project, just knowing that it's the only study out there that's really focused on women in our industry. Mm -hmm. So I've been with Moss Adams for over 15 years now, and I was actually brought into the firm to really focus on on what we called Forum W. That's what we started. It was our women's initiative back then. And we had a specific focus on women because we had at the time, and I think we still do, about 50% of our workforce is women. And then as we all know, all of our firms, we kind of struggle through as people move up in the ranks, we have less and less women as we move higher and higher into the organization. So one of the things that as we were starting Forum W is that we knew that all other companies, all other firms were struggling with the same issue. And we didn't want to be a firm that was discovering things or finding new strategies and keeping it to ourselves. We said, what we what we learn, we want to share. And so the MOVE project was an awesome way to align what we wanted to do with Forum W to be able to say, hey, this is how we're also giving back to the industry. So it was just an awesome opportunity back then, I guess, was it 13 years ago now? Yeah. To be able to partner with the MOVE project. And it's been interesting just to see how it's evolved in terms of all the different topics and all the different research that we've had throughout the years to just see even how women in business and women in public accounting, how that's just evolved over the last 13 years. It's very different, very different issues from 13 years ago to now. There's still that common thread, but it's been interesting to see how it continues to change. Mm -hmm. I have to say one of the things as kind of new to, you know, managing the MOVE project I'm actually really proud to look back at those original reports and say, all right, I know everybody is now kind of starting to talk about pay equity. We've been talking about it since 2010. I mean, it is the M and move. And I'm glad to see that more and more firms are starting to take a much closer look at this and make changes to 
create a more equitable pay environment. And actually I've sent reports from many years ago with the knowledge that, okay, this is 10 years old, but here's some really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we've been focused on for years and years. Our total rewards team, specifically our compensation team, they've been so focused and we do pay equity audits for as long as I've been here to make sure that we are paying our people equitably across a number of different dimensions of diversity. So one of the things that I think is really interesting is, and I haven't seen a lot of other firms doing this. Hopefully this year I'll uncover more, but Moss Adams is one of the few firms that offer elder care giving support. Tell me what made the firm decide to add this rare but much needed benefit and how it is structured. Yeah. So one of the things that we try to address as a firm, I don't know if you've read one of these articles, it may be on ramps and off ramps, but it talks about the push and pull factors. And it's an article that was written by Sylvia and Hewitt through the Harvard Business Review. And that was a, and it really addresses what organizations can do to that push employees out of their organization or out of the workforce or things that pull people out. So mostly things that are personal. So what we try to do is to address both of those things. So are there things that we're doing as an organization that are pushing people out, but then also if people have personal things Mm -hmm. that are pulling them out of the organization, how do we support them so that we can retain them as well? So there's lots of different stages in life, right? So from caregiving for your children to caregiving for, you know, other family members from an elder care perspective, you know, a lot of our people are in that sandwich generation where they're taking care of both their children and their parents. We try to be able to provide at least some support on both ends of that spectrum. And so one of the things that we do provide is backup uh, care, elder care. So in-home adult care. And there's three different things that will support them through. And it's through Bright Horizon. So I don't know if everyone is familiar with them, but I think they're typically known for childcare, but they do have an elder care arm as well. So some of the things that we're able to provide through Bright Horizons Elder Care is um, home services. So if you have a parent that might need any help with household tasks like cooking, shopping, laundry, you know, helping them dress, bathing, whatever it may be, that's one piece. There is other things that are like non-medical care, like meal prep or, you know, personal care services that we're able to provide. And then we do have an area where there's medical care provided. So it's by certified nurses, assistants, and they can help with any of those types of things within the house. And this is more of a backup care piece where you can have up to 10 backup care days per year, per calendar year that you can use that service. It's hopefully helping, you know, the times where, you know, you may need to go to a client or you may need to travel for work where you know that you have that support for you. And I've used it personally for childcare and it's the most amazing thing to just know that you're going to be able to, you can lean on another service to help support. And so this is a great thing that we're able to offer to our people. There's a lot of opportunities in businesses that have a lot of childcare support options. There are plenty that don't, but it is unusual to see elder care kind of woven into that fabric. So I think that's tremendous thing that you're providing. And it's probably a bigger need than what a lot of people realize too. Yeah. And I'm sure there's more that we could be doing, but this is, you know, just the first step in providing support. So one of the things that impressed us is how committed Moss Adams is to 
creating a diverse and inclusive culture. This is something very near and dear to my heart as somebody that trains and consults in this area, but your firm has made really great strides in recruiting and advancing women of color, for example. Additionally, you track diversity and inclusion factors on a dashboard so all partners can see how their decisions are contributing to the firm's monthly goals. Monthly, not annual. So I'd love to hear how you decided to add this element to your dashboard and how it has impacted decision-making across the firm. Yeah, so one of the things that we try to do is just be more transparent about what we're doing. One of the things that we do post externally is our annual report. And we've actually started doing a diversity-ish annual report, even when we had Forum W. So I think our first report was back in 2009. So, And we've had data out there about representation, who's sitting in leadership. So it's something that we've been really proud of doing. And so one of the things that as we kind of moved forward and back in 2022, we talked about getting this dashboard together. And so people that have access to it are all of our partners and everyone on our people team from resource management to our HR teams to recruiting. So everyone has access to that. And really what we're trying to do is just make sure that we are being transparent about our metrics because our people want to know. Like we guess asked all the time, how are we doing so this is one way of us being able to have just that information at our fingertips at all times. We want to make sure that we are reaching our goals, that we want to make sure that we are instilling accountability in what we're doing from an IND perspective too. Because if you don't have metrics, if you don't have goals, how do you instill accountability in what you're trying to achieve? And so by putting together this dashboard, we're hoping that we are aligning our people value proposition and making sure that we are an attractive employer where people want to come to and stay and have a career, especially some of our, our people from underrepresented communities. We want to make sure that, you know, the decisions that we're making from a strategic perspective are fact-based. And part of that fact-basedness, is that a word, is having data, right? And so being able to really understand how people are experiencing the firm, Part of that is also looking at some of the dashboard data that's in there is things from our engagement survey, because we're able to look at data from all different perspectives and cut it to to the LGBTQ plus community, to different racial and ethnicities, looking at women. And we want to make sure that as we look at the dashboard, we're looking at turnover, we're looking at percentage of promotions, we're looking at representation and all of those levels. And all of that data is helping us really understand and to really hone into, are we being an equitable firm? Are people having equal access to growth and development opportunities? So it's an important thing for us and it's updated on a monthly basis. Our CEO meets with his leaders across the firm on a quarterly basis and reviews that data as well. We have regional IND leadership teams that are led by our regional managing partners that are looking at that data when they're meeting with their IND leadership teams within their region. So it's been a super helpful tool for us and for all of our partners to be able to say, okay, I have access to this data. How am I actually contributing? One of the things that we implemented, I want to say a couple of years ago now, is that our partners 
are being assessed in their evaluation process on how actively engaged are they in IND efforts. So, you know, are they sitting as executive sponsors to business resource groups? Are they attending trainings? Are they attending, you know, business resource group events? How are they engaging as a sponsor to underrepresented individuals within the organization? So there's lots of different levels. You know, if you're wanting people to be accountable, you have to have mechanisms in place from, you know, what's the data? What's it telling us? How are we evaluating our partners? So it's one of those really great tools to help us really define where we need to go with strategy and how do we continue to increase accountability. I think that's great. And even if the numbers aren't where you want them to be, at least you know where they are. Exactly. And that's one of the things that we tried to do, even with our annual report, like we have, here's the highs and here's the lows. This is where we see where we have less, we have more turnover in areas or here's where we're not recruiting enough. So to be transparent, because this work is never done. You can never say that just because you did this, that it's getting better and better. There's always going to be highs and lows. There's the dynamics between organizations and what people expect are always changing. So it's never done. It's never done. So there's always more that you can be be doing and having that data is one way to make sure that you kind of keep a pulse on where you need to continue to work on. Yeah. And by doing so monthly, at least, you are going to see, well, positive or negative trends yeah. that you can address. If there's a particular office that seems to be losing a lot of, I'm say black women, for example, then, okay, why is that happening? Let's look at that. Is there an issue with the management at that office? Or maybe there's just some other reason, you know? So I do know firms that measure, but they're usually looking at it on an annual basis. And a year is a long time for something to grow and fester. So I love that you're looking at it much more frequently and able to respond much more quickly because of that. Yeah. I mean, it's been because we used to be like that. It would be just an annual thing because there's a lot of data to go through, but we ended up building a Power BI dashboard that can refresh that data, which normally would take our operations team a couple a couple weeks to kind of pull through it. But now that it's more automated, we can look at it on a more regular basis. So that's super helpful. And being able to have that information mixed with like our engagement survey information, plus our exit survey information and just say, hey, we're seeing a turnover in this area. Let's take a look at exit survey data and see if we're seeing comments or trends that are related to that. So just being able to make those connections and those analysis is so helpful in the work that we're doing. I wanted to ask too, we've observed that too often firms talk about wanting to increase their diversity and inclusion but they tend to get stuck or just aren't sure how to move forward. What advice do you have for other firms in terms of DEI and also more specifically attracting, retaining, and promoting women? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that helped us from the beginning was making sure that our leadership was on board because without that tone from the top, it's very difficult to move anything forward. I mean, it could be any type of initiative or any type of change that you're trying to lead. Like if it's not being supported and led from the top, it's hard. One of the things that I think is so important, and we talked about this just right beforehand, but just looking at your data. So really understanding 
like what is happening within your organization? Because you don't want to just do something to do something. You really want to make sure that what you're doing is going to make an impact and making sure that you're actually doing what needs to get done. Another thing is just listening to your people. We've done focus groups over the years because, you know, you hear anecdotally things here and there, but to really listen to your people through either focus groups or your surveys, whatever it may be, to understand what the true experience is at at your organization is super important. And then, you know, once you know, sometimes it's just doing something, just try something and it's never going to be perfect. So just try something and go with it and just see how it goes. And, you know, something that, I mean, just total transparency that we're struggling with is that we've done, we have so many things that we're doing and how do you keep, do you keep adding or do you keep analyzing, okay, what are the things that we're doing that are actually making an impact and focus on those? And it might be okay to stop doing some other stuff. Mm -hmm. So really making sure that, the efforts that you're making are really making an impact. And one of the things that I also think it's important is that it's okay to not know all of the answers. We're never going to know all of the answers. So what resources can you bring in? Is there a consultant that you can bring in to help support you? Because there's other people that have really great best practices. There's people that have helped other organizations through this. So it's okay if you need to go out and ask for help. I mean, we've done it. So that's just another thing to think about too. (laughs) Yes. Two points on that. One, (laughs) I love that you're doing focus groups. I've done some of those for a couple of firms and I would add to doing the focus groups, also having the leadership open to hearing the results, no matter what they are. I have had to deliver some bad news to people in the past and it's not something you want to hear, but it's also, okay, this is what your people are saying you now know so you can make changes. That burying your head in the sand thing never works. But I love the fact that when that information is brought to the leadership team, it's like they are going to hear it and respond accordingly in whatever way they can at that time. And then secondly, the idea of bringing people in, I think it's it's interesting because accounting firms, you're brought in (laughs) to other businesses all the time. Because people don't know how to do what you do or don't know how to do it as well as you do. It just makes sense to bring people in to do the things that maybe aren't your areas of expertise or even your area of where it's best to spend your efforts and your energy. So I I think both are very important. Yeah. It's so interesting, the listening to our people piece. That was some of the nuggets that we got from some of our focus group ended up being part of this like 18 month project where we were trying to re look at just the IND framework and our governance because everything had grown organically. And so hearing feedback from people on just how IND is run ended up being super informative and ended up, you know, being part of how we now run all the operations of inclusion and diversity and how that all works because we heard from our people that you know, there just needs to be more intention and focus on just the operations of it. So it's a great tool to do. I know. And it's difficult because the thing is, is that if you start asking people, you have to do something with the feedback that you get. So that's the part too. I am uh, actually in the process of doing that with a client where we just did an employee survey and it did bring back some things that are uncomfortable. And I'm like, before we even started, I said, you are going to have to use this information in some way. 
because if people spend their time, I mean, how many surveys do we fill out yeah. a year? And if people are going to spend their time and they're going to be thoughtful about it and honest about it, and then they never hear anything from it, then they're probably not going to be as enthusiastic about your next survey or right. may not even fill it out at all. It's a process and the survey is just part of it. So I have a few just kind of playful questions here at the sure. end that I think are fun. So when you were five years old, Trisha, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay. So when I was five, I started figure skating and I did this for like 10 years of my life, but I know I wanted to be part of, this is like dating me. I wanted to be part of the ice capades, not be an Olympian. I wanted to be <laughs> in the ice capades because they had all the fun music and all the fun costumes. And so that was my goal was I was going to be a professional figure skater, but I was going to be in the ice capades, not be in the Olympics. <laughs> you know, that seems like a more fun way to use it. <laughs> Because my god sister was actually recruited by the Olympic Committee to go into that sort of training. And yeah. she decided against it as well. Uh, because she's like, I don't, I'm not ready to give up, you know, the next 15 years of my life. Exactly. But she now teaches ice skating. So that's kind that's of so cool. <laughs> yeah, she stuck with it. And now her daughter is ice skating quite a bit, though, probably not going to head in the Olympic direction either. <laughs> I, but it's I a great sport. It's a great yes. sport. Lots of good discipline that you learn from it and lots of good resilience because you don't know how to do it. So you just keep practicing, 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 and you literally have to like, you know, fall and get up and dust yourself <laughs> yeah. off and try again. Yeah. Over and over and over. Over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So if you had a chance to travel anywhere for free, not worry about taking time off for work or any thing that comes up in those kind of decisions. Where would you go and why? Am I allowed to cheat with this question? Am I allowed to say an around the world trip? Yeah, you can say whatever you want to. Now, that's what I would choose. And I would love to take my whole family. My kids are be eight in a couple of days and 11. And they're just now totally okay. into like just wanting to explore different things. And I think it'd just be cool to just take that time as a family and just experience all kinds of different things together in different cultures. So I think that'd be my choice is go everywhere. I like that idea. And if you had one superpower, what would you want it to be? I can't remember which superhero has this, but it would probably be like the superhuman speed to just get stuff done. I know all of us have so many competing priorities and so many different things that you want to do both personally, professionally, all the things. And if I could just snap my fingers and all of it would be done, that would be the best. See, I think that sounds like I'm also going to date myself with this, uh, bewitched. Oh uh, yeah. You know, where she could just move yep. her nose and then things were done. I'm like, I've always wanted that. I don't know that that's really a superpower, but it should be. I but think that counts as a superpower. Oh my let's God. Let's do it. We've changed the rules. Change yeah. rules. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing uh, all these wonderful things that are going on at Moss Adams. And also for your incredible support of the move project without you we would not be able to do what we're doing so we are so appreciative of that and i look forward to talking to you again soon trisha yeah thank you for having me and go move project yay thank you thank you for listening to move like this brought to you by the accounting move project and sponsored by moss adams and sapro 
If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Resick, and until next time, keep moving forward.